Hey, hey, welcome to the Wilds cast. No, this is not the voice of Rabbi Wilds. Rabbi Wilds was not able to do the intro this week, but this is his producer, Andrew. And this week, we have Moshe Ruvain on the podcast. Now, you might be asking yourself, who is Moshe Ruvain? Well, all you got to do is just look up on Instagram. The man has over one and a half million followers. And he's also a hip-hop artist who has millions of listens on Spotify. But his story is super interesting. He didn't grow up observant. But then he found his way to Hashem and through his spirituality, he was able to improve his life in the physical world to such an extent that he has his own startup, that as we just mentioned, he's a hip hop artist with millions of followers on Spotify. And he's also an ordained rabbi. So take a listen. Um, There's a little bit of a video issue at the end of the podcast. The audio is just okay. So you'll notice that there's a little bit of inconsistency in the video, but don't worry about that. Everything's smooth. And just don't forget to subscribe. Rabbi Wilds puts out amazing content and it's really, really improving the lives of our brothers and sisters around the world. So please subscribe and please share. And let's get to it. Moshe Ruvain and Rabbi Wilds. Okay, welcome to the Wilds cast. Thank you so much for being here, Moshe Ruvain. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for those of you uh, unfamiliar, um, Moshe Ruvain is a Jewish American columnist. He's a hip-hop artist. He's an internet celebrity and an entrepreneur. And one of the things we're going to get into here is how you wear so many yarmulkes, so to speak. <laughs> how you wear so many hats. It's unbelievable. Uh, Forbes one. and business. Just one. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, he was named to Forbes 30 under 30. Are you under 30? How old are you? Uh, I got it a couple months ago, so I must be. I, I, don't, I stopped counting though. <laughs> okay, that's great. Well, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so, tell us a little. Um, I'm I'm curious. Let's let's start. Let's start where it all begins. How did you come to find spirituality? I mean, did you grow up uh, in an observant Jewish home? Is this something that you uh, you found on your own? Because clearly, your spirituality has informed your material and entrepreneurial success, and that's really something I'm interested in hearing about. So, tell us a little about your background. Yeah, so it's a it's a big question for me. I mean, because my my how I found my spirituality is like everything to me. It's like my whole, it's like my life origin story. Even though I felt like I lived a life beforehand, you know. So I grew up in a conservative home, conservative Jewish in South Florida, which, from what I've learned, is a little bit different than some areas of the world, like conservative in New York or New Jersey, could also be kind of a from household to some extent, but. We, you know, we got bar mitzvah. We did like the status quo things that people do in South Florida as a conservative, you know, shul goer, you know, once in a while. You know, I went to Hebrew school, so I learned, you know, basics like olive base and you know, all the special stories that predominantly encapsulize the Jewish story. But, you know, I, I didn't know certain things. I didn't know that, you know, things like there's 613 mitzvahs. I just thought there's 10 commandments, which I honestly is a typical mm-hmm. thing if you, if you get raised. From my background, I think most people don't necessarily know these things. Uh, just small mm-hmm. little things I didn't necessarily fully know. But yeah, so I, you know, I wasn't like super religious kid. I, you know, I was, you know, right. born in the secular world and I knew I was Jewish, believed in God and uh, believed in being a good person and doing good things and having fun, you know, playing basketball, stuff like that. <laughs> and, and and how did you, at what point did that, I, I guess, develop into the person you've become because clearly you've gone way past the 10 commandments you know and uh, <laughs> yeah, i hope so <laughs> yeah so like i said we raised good 
kids get good grades, go to a good school, get a good job, like that type of typical, you know, American path. When I was in high school, even a little bit before, I got more and more engrossed in like the social life, less involved in my basketball endeavors. And that in my family, that was like a real thing. I was in school and friends, it was, uh, it was basketball for us. But as I drifted away towards that, I was less and less passionate about, you know, dedicating so much time to the sport, I guess. And I want to be involved in the social life you know, the social life of the secular world in South Florida, you know, it led me not in the best of paths, in my opinion. I got really deeply entrenched in it. I was a partier in a sense, you know, not like a, not crazy person, but I was like, you know, I like to have fun. And so did most people in South Florida at that age. And is that like, you're talking high school age or college? High school. So I, I always, I, I always mm-hmm. think like, I kind of like, cause I would visit my brothers in college and I would kind of like, you know, learn from the, how the college students do it, do it. And I was like, I always felt like I was like a little bit more of a college student in high school. Cause I, <laughs> cause I, I like knew that I knew the, the more advanced t- techniques of having right. a fun time, I guess. And right. So like, you were, you were, you were, you were precocious in your partying. Yeah. Yeah. So, say. yeah. So I'd, I'd bring college to the people, you know, <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> So I was just like, and it was, it was not like crazy stuff. I was a drink. I would, we would drink. We would have, you know, right. we'd, you got a good grade in school on Friday night, Saturday night, maybe Sunday, you know, you, you have fun, you know, you, you enjoy life. Didn't really seem like a huge deviation from the general path that I grew up with. You know, you got, you got, you got right. good grades, you'd be a good kid and you, you'd be, you don't do, be mean to people. And it wasn't a huge deviation, but it did lead me to things like, you know, you get involved in different groups, you know, the more you're, you're on that, we, you know, I'd be involved in different schools, you know, social, social fears and, you know, different parts of my high school, you know, not every single click was the most uh, spiritually uplifted click, you know, so it just led to me, you know, kind of having certain things happen. I had like a near death experience. And that was one thing I got, I got it. When I, after that experience, I thought I'd fixed myself up by like, okay, I only am, you know, involved in these things. And, you know, I, I don't do any other things. And then I got a DUI, uh, to, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I just re- reached like multiple lows in my high was school. Was that was was that the near death experience, or it was a different? No, experience? they were two different experiences. Wow, wow! So like but they I, all happened I, I, to you in in high school. In high yeah, school, yeah, within like this a two year period. Yeah, and there was a bunch mm-hmm. more things, and like I didn't really technically get a DUI. I got I I wasn't found guilty because of different like technical factors. Right, right. Um, but I still had to go through, I had to be an AA at 17 years old because I blew wow. so high. And I had to, uh, not because I was an alcoholic, but because <laughs> because I was just so, I was more intoxicated than the, than you'd usually right. be to sure. get a DUI, sure. especially for someone 17 and not even legally allowed to be drinking. And then, um, you know, I had, uh, I had to go to like some, you know, some, it wasn't like, technically a juvenile program it was just like around people that got in trouble for different things and you had to do this thing so that nothing would be on your record basically so that you could tell it in a podcast mm-hmm. later so just in case <laughs> so it'd be public anyways but anyway so like you got you know i got expunged from my record basically it wasn't there it doesn't even i did i wasn't even guilty but i had to do all these things that like 17 year old kids don't necessarily have to do um and along with the fact of seeing your parents like 
what what happened to my amazing son like why is he getting in trouble with stupid things like this and you know like and it being a public event also in your small clique you know in cooper city which you know that everything gets passed around and uh you know i guess you know we don't, if you don't learn so much about Lushanara, I mean, people that learn about Lushanara still struggle with it. <laughs> so, I mean, like, right. it was like, you know, it was, it became a very public thing uh, amongst my friends, amongst our, our family friends. And I was a bit embarrassing, I guess, for my family. And I, it was, I took it really to heart. Like, wow, what, you know, because I mean, for one, the new experience was already like a uh, eye opening experience for me. It was like, it was for me, like, I, I have to live a, a purposeful life. I have to be here for a reason. You know, I have to, mm-hmm. like, that was, like, the a huge thrust in the right direction because for me, I was just, like, you know, you party and, 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 and your time's wasted, and then what were you here to do? Like, you're just, at 16 years old, you don't think about these things because that's just what everyone's doing. But, you know, like, I mean, I just knew the trajectory of where things go in life and, People do that till they're, however, you know, married with kids. And sure, even, you know, sure. And then people and spend their whole lives living like that. Yeah, yeah, and even then, they're just they whatever de- they defaulted into from that lifestyle is what they like live with, and like you know, then the goals is just like the typical American goals, like white picket fence, six figure salary, you know, different like marks that you want to reach, you know that. Uh, that America tells you like, these are, so I was just like, wow, I can't just like, my life can't just be like, like waste, like just because of my own have happy, you know, enjoyment experiences or whatever, or, like fun times or whatever with friends. Like, obviously I love my friends. I love all these things. But, and also I re- during the time, it also I, I'd realized a lot about who my real friends are and how much they, people really care about me um, that I spend a lot of my time with and that I, you know, mold my life around in a sense and i was just like what what am i doing with the things that are important in life do i know even the things that are important in life you know Why and, and how did you find that mocha how did you then find that in other words somehow you became more observant somehow you went from a very basic kind of background you know very affiliated conservative you said um but but how did that how did that transition into let's say observing the sabbath every shabbat keeping kosher, you know, a full-fledged religious observance. Yeah, so at first it wasn't like new experience and like wearing a hat and jacket like next day. It was more like um, I believe it, you know, I already believed in God, but I, I started seeing more and more in my life how like God's like behind the scenes and like dictating how things are happening and like God's trying to wake me up. God's showing me a different path and like everything was pushing me and like I was getting extreme pushes in certain directions and I was just like, wow, like, god's in the in the scenes and i started opening myself up and like every day talking to god about life about my things about thoughts you know and just realizing that i would get responses back in some way you know in his own way that it was like it created a a more of a relationship than just that i believed that there's a god you know like Mm, that mm -hmm. story like before i went i believed in god after i went uh, i know there's a god you know like after this whole thing happened, I knew God is real and in my life. And beforehand, I, you know, it was an idea. It was, I knew that I'm not supposed to do certain things. I knew God cares generally about morality, you know, but it wasn't like purpose, mission, stuff like that. So 
over time, um, that spiritual journey led me to wanting to answer questions, having questions about different things I've never had questions about. Uh, one of my close friends at the time was, uh, he was in his own way, really religious, and we would speak a lot. But he wasn't, he was Jewish, but he didn't necessarily believe in Judaism. He was, uh, he was half probably, probably halfway a Jew for Jay in some regard. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he was in some way deeply embedded in his idea of morals and uh, what it means to be a good person. I, he doesn't believe in that stuff anymore today, but he just knows that he's Jewish. But, um, you know, it was just interesting. One of, one of the closest friends that I could confide in it was also someone that he had that path. He had like more of a spiritual thought process. His dad, his stepdad was a pastor who actually like tried speaking to me about different things about like spirituality and whatnot. And it was just like, I don't know, during the time it was just like, I had a lot of questions about these things. I like, I know I'm Jewish and uh, that's about it. I know that I have a mission in life and there's a reason behind all this Jewish stuff. I don't know anything about it really. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So when I got to college, that questioning attitude and that daily praying, praying to God, you know, my own way about my own, whatever, you know, that led me to looking for a Jewish place for different things. Like as practical as young Kipper, you know, I could be concerned about, you know, getting cleansed on young Kipper. Where do I go? You know, I go to Hilla, I go to Hilla. And then some, I had some girl like sizing up, like, I could tell this isn't going to happen or whatever. It was like, there's like an attitude towards me. Cause I was like, I was still dressed like, you know, a typical party, you know, club going guy or whatever. at like a young Kipper event or whatever. I don't think I thought about this is just the way I was, you know, the way I dressed, the way I was. I mean, I don't know. So some girl said something to me. I was like, okay, probably this is the place for me. Then I started going to Hello, you know, um for Shabbos and they weren't there a lot of the Shabbos and I was just like how are you guys there for Shabbos like I understand me not being there so I was like bothered by Hillel a little at first because I was just like Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like they were super serious about it and I was trying to like at least have somewhere to go for Judaism no offense against Hillel there's many great Hillels all throughout America yeah yeah of Um, course where'd you go where'd you go to college which which campus are we talking about UCF which actually their hill is much great. It was very great now. They're like, they do a lot of good things. I mean, maybe it was just mm-hmm. the timing, but you know, um, so I just, you know, the next other place to look for, I found a Chabad, you know, and I, you know, and it was very interesting to me. I wasn't like fully going that often. I would just pop in and I, I just realized whatever the rabbi was saying was like, really like connected to whatever I was experiencing. Like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. It's like, it just felt like he had like Ruach HaKadosh or something or like followed me around <laughs> he's been following me around or something. And he said like the right thing. I was like, how do you know? How do you know my life story? You don't even know my name. (laughs) So like just things that he would say were like super impactful for me. I was just like, what, how? And it kept me going. By the way, by the way, Moshe, I'll tell you something that I've had that a few times in my rabbinic career where someone will say, Rabbi, did you realize that the talk you just gave spoke exactly to what I'm going through in life? How did you know? Yeah, and I had, I had no idea. I just happened to be what I was interested in discussing that Shabbat or that weeknight class, and then there's somebody in the room for whom it like totally resonates. You know, yeah, that, that's a little. Uh, that's uh, you know, that's the big man doing his work over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the yeah. You know, the Shina speaking through. It's crazy how that works. So that that like that threw me off. I kept me going, but I wasn't like becoming religious or anything. I was just 
you know, every mm-hmm. every once in a while I would go to the Halal House or I would always say, where are you? I'd be like, I'm busy. I was school or this and that, you know. And he's like, oh, you're always busy. You're such a busy man. And I, he, would buy, he, would, he would always try to get me to come out in some way. Eventually, I I think it was, I think it was on a Yom Kippur, actually. I don't know if I should go through all the details about it, but for certain particular reasons, I was thinking about making certain life choices about like who I spend time with and stuff. And, you know, I, I was at, you know, the Chabad house and there's this one kid on, you know, after the Yom Kippur Friday night or what, I think it was a Friday night or something. Uh, I think it was a Yom Kippur on Friday night or something like that. I don't know. But the guy's doing Tehillim. And I was like, what's this book? And he's like, oh, it's the book of King David and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I started saying something. And I was just like, I really resonated with Tehillim, like all the things that King David's saying wow. and his psukim, you know, I think that, and, you know, the other, you know, people in, in their respective ones. I think it was mainly the ones that were from King David that I was reading. And I was like, well, like, you know, these are prayers that are like, I, I try to say, but like he says it exactly the way that I want to sometimes. And I was just he's like, articulated. He's articulating things you're feeling. You, you know who else said that to me, by the way, you're in very good company. Nissen Black. I asked him what turned uh, him on to Judaism. That's great. He said to me, well, he read, he said he read the whole Bible, but like the King David parts were really uh, hit him. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't say to hill him per se, but like King David and like the stories with David, it was like, just yeah, spoke to him. Yeah, yeah. Know? King David spoke to me a lot too. Even when I was like for for a long time, I always was fascinated by King David. It's funny actually, like the little, like it's not as emphasized in my learning these days, but King David's mm-hmm. so huge, you know, part of my journey. And that's cool that Nisim Lawson, you know, we share another similarity, I guess, in uh, being <laughs> that similar genre, genre and stuff like that. But what are what what are you learning these days, Moshe? What's your what, what what's your interest now? So, I mean, well, I mean, I just try to keep my uh, my daily learning at minimum uh, because Mm -hmm. as life becomes busier and busier, you know, the minimum is is to make sure that I'm doing things like Hitas Rambam and make sure that I'm learning Hasidus and, you know, um, on Shabbos delve into different texts that I feel I'm interested in, which is usually, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, if I pick something up that's you know outside my regular schedule it's going to be Hasidus most of the time um you know sometimes um my wife and I find different things that we both are interested in so we recently went through like all the um you know a bunch of stories and backgrounds about the Tanaim and Amariah to like give Beautiful. like more further in-depth background about their lives and you know guys uh, Tanaim Tanaim and Amariah just in case the, the our listeners may be unfamiliar those are the great talmudic sages the earlier ones who who uh authored the mishnah and then the later ones who authored the talmud those are the great talmudic sages yeah they're beautiful stories about their lives and um but that's amazing let me ask you this you know you've you, you seem to be balancing a lot you know you're you're a hip-hop artist and you're also like a, a bit of a celebrity uh, celebrated entrepreneur you know to be in the forbes 30 under 30 um Tell me what you've learned from your spiritual journey. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, Moshe. I appreciate it. Your spiritual journey, how you went from the kind of background you have to where you are now religiously. It's 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 pretty transformative. How has that informed or helped you become successful as an entrepreneur? 
um, you've got this very successful startup. Um, we do, did I pronounce it right? Um, which, which helps grows businesses and markets, high profile individuals like, you know, brand, does branding work for people. And it's pretty up there. I did a little uh, homework on you here. So tell me how you've been able to sort of leverage your, your spiritual journey and your spiritual wisdom from Torah and mitzvot to become more successful in the, in the, in the material world, or maybe not. I, I don't, I don't mean to presuppose anything. Maybe they're completely separate. No, they're definitely think? not separate. Um, I actually mm-hmm. attribute like all my success to the fact that, well, first of all, it's Hashem, but also like within my pathway with Hashem that he has me, I have to do Torah mitzvahs. I have to, you know, I can't be involved in all the things that a person would be involved in if they weren't obligated um, to do those things. So, um, or mm-hmm. or to, you know, to live that lifestyle. So, I, I definitely say that everything that positives happened for me is literally because of um, Hashem and Torah and mitzvahs, and there's no question about it in my eyes. How I could explain that, there's multiple ways. I mean, obviously, Hashem's bracha is what makes success. So if I'm doing well one year, it's because Hashem's bracha. If I'm doing less well one year, it's because Hashem's bracha is a little bit less there, or I'm not bringing it down as probably. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that... Um, you know, overall, thank God, it's been an amazing journey of things that are way beyond my, my mind's eye of what I could have achieved. And I think it's mainly because, you know, there's this concept from the Baal Shem that just like Eretz Yisrael is um, filled with all these gifts and treasures latent beneath the surface, so too is every Jew. And their Jewish neshama is filled with all these capabilities and all these gifts. And, you know, God loads us up, so to speak, with more than we could ever imagine of what we could achieve in, uh, within uh, and different kaifas that we have within us. And mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, is that most of us live our lives, unless we have tournaments, unless we have, you know, concepts and chassidus to help us um, with, you know, the neshama a bit covered over, if not more than a bit. And you can't really access those things because you're not in access with yourself. Let's stay on that for a minute because you said something very profound there the whole time, but particularly at the end, you said that we've got souls and we all, you know, many of us believe we've got a soul, but it's covered up. And uh, I guess living a life of Torah and mitzvah as you're living, as we're all trying to live as best as we can, allows us to access the powers of the soul, right? Um, How would you say that Torah does that for you? Like, how does... I don't know if it's keeping Shabbos, it's keeping kosher, or it's studying Chassidut, learning. How is that, you know, pulling off the cover so that the soul can really, you know, realize itself and 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 even and see success in all aspects of life, not just spiritually, but even in materially, as you have in your in your entrepreneurial work. Um, so there's probably two or three ways I want to answer that. The first one would be is that you know there's a voda, you know, like a person's general vote on themselves and their connection to God every day and how they, how they, how they deal with the smallest thing as what they eat and how they eat to how they speak, how they think, um, what, what they allow around them and how they, how their makshava is focused on Hashem. And the, you know, it's, as you get more and more involved in the world, the harder that is to necessarily be a master of because there's so much more distractions like, you know, Mm-hmm. talks about Antonia, it talks about many places 
you know, that, you know, the, the, the world, you know, it's easier to be out in yeshiva and, and master yourself than to be out in the world and keeping mastery over yourself. Um, but ultimately, uh, it's a general vote to be in tune with our neshama. You know, it's every, it's every day, it's every moment, you know, um, it's a, it's not even just in the moments, it's, um, a, a pathway. It's a, it's a general, activity over time that we should be working at to to be to do the voda of revealing our souls through being more of a soul-centric person being you know the way we involve ourselves in gashmias the way we uh daven the way we prepare for davening which you know um, also gets more difficult when you have less time over you know over you know when you get busier and busier so i mean it's a, it, yeah. it, that's the yeah. first answer. The second answer I'll say is that Torah mitzvahs is just very practically. It tells us, don't be involved in this. Don't do this, you know? And if you could, especially in this world where of consumerism and indulgence and involvement and what's, what's desirable is, is enhancing your, double your pleasure, double your fun or whatever they say. Um, so mm-hmm. like, if you separate those things and make a space, then you you allow yourself to be involved in other things. You allow yourself to explore beyond uh, chasing taivas and being involved, engrossed in taivas. Taivas, and just I'm just translating for our listeners. Not everybody's up on all the, yeah. the Hebrew term. Taivas are, um, uh, I guess, you know, physical desires, physical desires. And, and that's amazing. Before you get it to the third, you'll remember the third answer, Moshe. I want I want I to hear the so. third answer. I think so. Okay, good. So the first two, the first thing you said, and I actually wrote this down. If I ever look down, it's because I'm taking notes because I actually that's want amazing. to pay attention wow. to what you have to say. Um, so you talked about the avoda. Avoda means service, and you said the way we eat, the way we speak, the way we uh, think, right? It's all affected by the Torah that we study, the mitzvot that we observe. And that's just going to, that's just going to be, uh, you used another word, which I thought was great. Like a, um, a, um, a soul centered, was it, would you say like a soul centered or centric? Uh, soul centric. I mean, <laughs> I don't <yeah>. know. <laughs> soul centric. Yeah, no, I mean, cause that's the focus and the mitzvot. And I've studied this also. I teach a class on the Tanya and it's, um, the mitzvot are really there to sort of release that spiritual power that we have within our souls. And that's just going to make us more successful in everything we do. And then the second thing you said, I thought was practical. And you started off by saying, this is practical. Torah tells you, and we all need this in life. You know, maybe we're a little arrogant and we don't think we do, but the Torah gives us the wisdom as to what, what are good activities and what are activities we should stay away from that are just going to uh, make it difficult for us to stay soul centric you know yeah. soul focused it's a good, uh, it is so a good great. Song. i didn't even think about it <laughs> that's a great line that was good you could use that one of your songs yeah yeah you were about to share a third um so i think just generally well i think before i go into any other aspect of it i think also like it's not just like the tour you learn affects those things obviously for sure it does and especially it says the citizens particularly it uh refines um it's in one of the Maimaram that it's, it says it refines the lowest aspects of a person just by learning it. Even if mm-hmm. you don't do anything, you know, the lowest parts of a person become 
more refined and i see that all the time with people by that, learning right? torah you mean by by learning torah it was mean. saying specifically the works of hasidus uh refine that mm -hmm. person to the depths of them in a sense you know like that uh hasidus is made to do that you know because you can learn practically okay don't do this don't do that uh you know right. good morals you know from the stories and then but hasidus kind of like brings it more to um deeper levels of a person um you know, from bringing from the esoteric to the uh, most practical, you know, in the way that Hasidus does. Um, so, yeah, so um, I would say that, you know, if you learn, if you, if you, if you learn about what's desirable, when you involve yourself in those things, eating, speaking, doing, whatever it is, thinking, mm -hmm. you, you know, the daily grind of what you choose in your thoughts and your speech and your action is a part of that avoda. So like when you, when a person has a struggle, say someone really likes talking, you know, bad about people that are doing well, which I know people like that. So, um, you know, when they have that struggle, when they're around their three friends and they want to start like for bringing about Joe Schmo's, you know, what I really think about Joe Schmo, they, mm -hmm. they, they don't do that. That changes them. That allow, that's one simple action that allows their soul to be revealed versus covered up by their by their by their animal so like the everyday wow. action everyday thoughts and speech and action that we do is the part of the voda and a person choosing and, and, the right and you're thing. saying just refraining just choosing even if it's not doing something positive it's refraining from sharing that that glib remark about them whatever it is that that's going to reflect negatively on on a fellow jew yeah um, you're saying that, that that just pulling back from that that act of refraining is a refining is refining the lowest parts of who we are yeah and bringing it brings out the neshama to make those proper decisions and when we make the wrong decisions that's covering over the neshama and uh, with that being said also not just whole refraining refraining is you know so you know that's a big part but also forcing ourselves to do the right things or say the right things i was just learning uh I learned recently in the, that in the Zohar, it says that God doesn't just look at the things that we don't, choose not to say. He, look, he sees the things that we could have said, you know, and mm. did we, did we say the things we should have said, you know, like, so also controlling ourselves to be able to say positive things. And that could be as simple as complimenting someone that you should have made sure that they know that they're, they have certain strengths and something, and you should say a nice thing or, you know, it goes, you know, positive things could be said in all areas of life. So, you know, both areas, you know, the positive and the negative, but definitely the negative is a huge, huge aspect for sure. Um, wow. Can, can I, can I switch? Um, yeah. Can ahead. I get into you a little, I want to get into your music a little, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan. Want. And, and I was listening to your new song with Julian Marley, son of Barb Marley, which is pretty cool. Um, it's called say, yeah. correct. That's the title yeah. of the song. It was, it was awesome. And there was one part of the song that resonated when you said heaven's coming down even down to the fence, if you voted for Biden or Harris, you voted for Trump and Pence. Um, so I, I, were you trying to sort of get at, like, you know, we live in this very divided society, you know, um, and politics is a very divisive, you know, cause of all that. But um, I thought I would ask about this because we're in the nine days leading to Tisha B'Av, and we know that the second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. And we live in this very polarizing, even within the Jewish community, you know, it's like, are you the more to the right? Are you more to the left? 
I don't know if you know MJE, we're pretty open, diverse community, 20s and 30s. And we've got people on, tell, tell, what were you trying to say in that song? Um, and and what would you say to our listeners who are, you know, we're, we're all living in, in a very divided, you know, politics is just one of the things that's dividing a lot of people today. The whole thing on abortion just came out. And that's also a cause uh, for divisiveness and conflict. Um, what would you say just on a positive note in terms of pulling people together? And, you know, because it sounded like that's what you were trying to say. Yeah, I'd say called say yeah I'd say, <laughs> that insight, yeah um i'd say that line i did have multiple meanings um like you can use it for a lot of things also if you're if you're using um any concept of the shekhina or god's presence becoming more manifest in the world or fully manifest in the world where you know it's a heavenly world uh or things that are not so heavenly become heavenly it applies all across, it applies way beyond I could even imagine. It applies infinitely, you know. So, definitely, there's many areas of bringing people together. I'd say that I did realize at that time, especially when I wrote the song, that there was just so much, especially in the media at that moment, uh, like so much attacking, everyone attacking each side, and people rallying so strongly behind politicians in a way that they literally hate people. And, uh, they, you know, which is already done throughout all of time, but to a higher Madriga, it felt like, and I just like <laughs> seen like there's so much, so much divisiveness on that area and all the other divisiveness areas of the world that like, you know, you can't really resolve some of these things like from a, from a, from a physical or, you know, a political standpoint, you know, over time, we get closer and closer to a more Mashiach-like world, a more heavenly world, and God willing, we'll be there soon, you know? Um, so, you know, even when there are those divisivenesses, like, there is an answer, you know, there's a there's a heavenly trajectory for those disputes. There is a, a reason for why things per go out the way that they do in, 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 in politics, you know, like God chooses these things ultimately. And whether you want it this way, or like it this way, like ultimately you'll see. And it, part of it says in, um, talks about it in Hasidus and Kabbalah about how in the future, when Mashiach does come, all the darkness will be able to see what, what it was. And that's why part of why Moshe Rabin wasn't able to go into it's just real is because there was all this darkness that still had to be refined and, and fixed that we, in the future, we would be able to, to see what that darkness was. And that includes minor, minor disputes, you know, or huge disputes over politics or whatever. We'll understand why this, why that we, we sit around talking as if we're going to change the world all the time. Obviously your vote counts, you know, and your, your opinion matters, but, people get so entrenched in these things to the point where it takes their lives. It takes their, their relationships. It takes, and it's just why, why do we have to allow things to pull us apart that when in the future, we'll understand different aspects of it that we won't really understand today. Yeah. I, I was, I was actually just studying this uh, debate between Hillel and Shammai that's mentioned in the uh, Mishnah and the oral tradition. And, um, some of the rabbis were commenting on the debate and they said, that these and these are all the words of the living God. And there's a belief that there's some truth 
you know, it's difficult for us to understand how, you know, two things that are opposite or contradictory could both have elements of truth to them. And I think that's one of the most important things that I, I try to share with my students, that even if you vehemently disagree with somebody else, try to see the kernel of truth that that other person is trying to convey. Even if you you think it's misdirected, it's misguided, it doesn't belong here, but there's some truth that that other human being is conveying. And we know this, you know, the Talmud, as you know, is filled with arguments and debates. Why not just give us the bottom line rabbi whose opinion we accept? Why do we have to hear about all the divergent opinions in the Gemara and the Talmud? And it's because there is some truth there that we need to hear. And I think, um, I think that's what, uh, at least a little of what I heard in what you were just saying, but I wanted to share that also. Let me ask you another question. Um, you know, there are times in life when things happen and they just seem really awful from our perspective. Yeah, sure. You know, we have this expression, Gamzulatova, it's all for the good. Yeah. You had something happen to you when you released your first single, You're Not Alone, that seemed to really make the case for Gamzulatova. Tell us what happened. Um, because I heard about it and I, I kind of really wanted to hear it from you about yeah. something yeah. leaking out that wasn't supposed to go. And what, what, what happened there? Yeah. So I wasn't using, um, I guess the most expensive, uh, version of distributing your music. And, uh, they have all these like cracks in their system that are not fixed. And like, it's like some guy running it. I'm not going to go into the details that like, it almost seems like some guy's just running it himself. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I put in, in his basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I put in the stuff to set the date and all these things. And I was like, I don't, this song's not ready. I'm not sure. You know, it's not finalized. The production is not there yet. And some of the things I say, I'm not sure about saying right now. But I'm at least going to mm -hmm. do this action. Like it's a practical action to set it up that I'm going to make sure that by this date, I released this song and um, over t somehow it released the next day. <laughs> and um, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I had to, to choose, you know, like, do I take it down? I mean, I didn't announce anything. I mean, were, were you like, what was your initial reaction? You were upset? I was really or, upset. Like, yeah. I was really upset because I was just like, you know, that guy in his basement did this intentionally. He sees like some from June. He's just like, ha ha, we're going to, we're going to set this tomorrow. <laughs> so that's what was my initial reaction. And um, uh, I was very upset, but I mean, I was, I wasn't like devastated. I was just like, Oh my, what do I, what do I do? Like, I was just like, and right. I was bothered. I was like, I said the date this, like, why are you doing that? Like, I was really bothered by right. it, but um I just was could like, you take it back? I mean, is that even technologically possible? Yeah, I could have taken like, it down. Sort of, I oh, take, you could have. Uh -huh. Yeah, I could have taken it. That was the choice. I was like, do I take it down? I didn't announce anything. I don't know what any of these things mean. You know, I'm like new to this. And I was just like, okay, we're just going to go with it. You know, Gamzo Tova, everything happens for a reason. I don't know if I'll ever release this song. I've been trying to release songs for years and I never brought myself to do it. So, you know. <laughs> Maybe I just need and to... And it took off. Yeah. And, and, and what happened? It took... Like, big took off? Yeah, it took off uh, way beyond my wildest imagination. And, I mean, it was during the midst of COVID, and people were mm -hmm. people were very much online. And I was pushing... Uh, I just pushed it as much as I can to get out to people, and it 
and thank God it did. And, and you know, I, I part of the you know growing on social was that I would be able to release it to people when I come out with music, and people would be able to latch on to it if they so choose. Because I was very concerned about that. I've seen so many people. Um, literally, I know that you know uh, are very talented, and they just can't get their music to people. And I just didn't want to be one of those people. So I, it was something I was very concerned about, um, and so much that it froze me from releasing music. The fact that something pushed me to release music said, "Okay, maybe Hashem's telling me now I'm ready. You know, maybe this is what I need because I know that maybe in a month I'm going to want to change seven things about the song, and it's not going to come out right. ever." So thank God, yeah, it was. It was a huge I'm process. looking. I'm checking it out on Spotify now. It's it's it did really well. Checking yeah, it out on YouTube. Uh, we didn't really push wow. it so much on YouTube. It did alright on YouTube, but I haven't really focused. My goal is to focus on Spotify, and then what did? How many hits did you get on Spotify? Not that I'm counting or anything like that. It's at like it's in. It's almost a couple million. Wow. Yeah, I see now. Wow. Which isn't like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there's, there's songs that get billions, you know, um, but it's huge for me, you know, and that it's also it's a beautiful huge. song. And in the, in the music world, to get in the millions is also is a big thing. So can you hear? I'm playing. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Right now. Okay. I love it. It's great. So like I don't know if you can tell, but the production is not perfect. You know, there's different things that I it sounds. I would have definitely. It's picked. so hard to it's <laughs> so hard to tell whether or not that was like purposeful intention. You know, like to me it sounds awesome. It's yeah, great. that's it's what people piece. tell me. They're like, no, it just sounds like the way it's meant to be, and it sounds like you know you're just doing your thing. He, some people tell me it sounds like there's more of an authentic touch because it just like it just you could tell you didn't you didn't sit around on it. And My, you know, you know, you know. You know. You know, I'm 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 going to share this. My my son, my oldest son, is um, writes music. He uh, does a lot of musical meditations, also with Kabbalah and Hasidus, and he um, he fresses over stuff in the studio. And yeah. it's like you know, there's a, there's an expression "ain't the dove ourself." There's no end to yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so, there's like you can yeah. always tweak it, always make it. I always have these conversations. Yeah. Because by the way, I'm guilty of the same thing in my own parts of you know what I do. We all, yeah, those of us you know, uh, afflicted by some perfectionism or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got it. You got to just put your best foot forward and go for it. And I, I just love the story. I, I wanted to hear that from you. I have one last question and this is, um, actually you could see the, you see the book in the background there where it says 40. Um, so yeah. that's a book I came out with last, that's a book I came out with last year called the 40 day challenge, which I wrote because I felt before the high holidays, you know, we go from this very sad month that we're in, Chodesh Av, right? And then we, and, and then we've, we're supposed to hit the high holidays, like feeling awesome. We've got this transition month, Elul. And the month of Elul is really a, a preparatory kind of month. So, you know, it's all about having a plan and preparing. And I always felt like, you know, I run these big high holiday services. Um, we mostly cater, I would say, to to less affiliated reform conservative some like modern orthodox but we're getting a lot of jewish people that are just coming once or twice a year to, to services and i feel like we got to give them like an awesome 
experience, but like people are not prepared. People are just kind of walking in and waiting for the magic of Russia and Yom Kippur to like take over. So I wrote this book to help get everyone, as many people who will read it, spiritually prepared. I'll send you a copy. Um, how do you, and, and by the way, it's just, it's literally a five minute piece that you read every day. And then I've got a WhatsApp group that you can listen in on every day for five minutes during the 40 days between Rosh Chodesh Elul and Yom Kippur. 40 is a very important number, I'm sure you know, in terms of transformation. How do you get prepared? And 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 I'm asking you in terms of both spiritually and physically, and how would you go about explaining also the importance of preparation? Because you could not have accomplished what you have accomplished both in hip-hop and in your entrepreneurial work if you didn't prepare. So what, what, what do you think? Why is it so important? And if someone's looking for some inspiration to prepare, what would you say to them? For preparing for me... I think things are more of a mindset and like an alignment thing. You know, I for both hip hop, hip hop, I, I spent more years preparing than I ever had planned. I always thought I'd make it at seventeen, you know. And people would tell you that I was really talented when I was in high school, and probably my skill set was probably even better in a lot of regards because I was spending so much time on it. Or versus when you get old. Older, you 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 know, focus is writing songs versus being extremely talented. Um, so I spent a lot of time preparing for that mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and uh, the skill set wise, and the uh, you know, the audience and all those things. I can't knock the preparation as far as like the actual details of making sure you're prepared, because it does make a difference. Obviously, like we said, there's. You could you could prepare forever and never do anything, um, right? So, As I said, yeah, that balance. I think that balance is so important because, yeah. like, you know, preparing, but like not being so crazed that you're just not going to do it, and or it's going to you're going to require so much, you know, preparation that you're you're just it's too exhausting. I'm just not going to end up doing it then. Yeah, and I with music, I get feel exhausted from the pathway that I had to go. <laughs> I mean, mm. I'm only a little bit in, and uh, you know the things that I've gone through to get to here is is exhausting for me. And I don't understand fully even today why Hashem chose that it would be later in life that I would start actually getting success from it. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I know that everything's for a reason, so I'm sure He's right. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, you know. So, but so you're saying that you're saying all the preparation you did in high school, where you didn't really see "quote unquote" success. But that was necessary to get you where you are today. Yeah, like I couldn't spend, I couldn't even find myself like feeling okay with myself spending time on like trying to create the skill set of hip hop. And, you know, this stage of life is just like something that you would do as a teen. So, like that, these skills that I have are things that I'm utilizing because I believe God gave me them for a reason and I developed them for a reason. But I wouldn't be, I have things to do, you know, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not spending time on like, you know, learning these different details about this stage of life. And I, most people wouldn't, and I don't think it's recommended to. So <laughs> if I didn't do that then, that's perhaps, you know, I never would have done that. Um, and especially the way life goes after high school, college, everyone has your life planned out for you after that. 
there'd be no reason for me to pick up those skills. Um, every stage, there's different things. The times in, in yeshiva, the times in college, all these things like were development. I definitely am happy that certain things didn't come out that I would have said when I was at those stages of life because I don't mm -hmm. believe those things and I wouldn't want to represent mm -hmm. those things, you know? So I do believe that, and I, I you know, I'm, I, I, I have now, I'm a rabbi, you know, like to, to feel a little bit more comfortable about who I am in, in my Yiddish and when I, when I think and what I know, um, then when I was, I didn't know anything is, um, yeah, I, you know, being a Jewish artist, I feel much more comfortable about that. Um, then if I, if I, if I was making music as a Jewish artist successfully and didn't know what I was talking about at all. Um, yeah, and, and what about in the, what about in the entrepreneurial area? Like how important is preparation? Like, do you spend a lot of time if you have an important meeting, like preparing for the meeting or, or, or do you feel like you just, you just kind of go with it? How does that work for you? So I feel like I, I've been prepared over the years for that too. Um, and you know, like that Picasso saying, like you made that in five minutes. No, I, it took me 40 years to be able to make that <laughs> in five minutes. Like <laughs> everything has compiled over time. And I, I think I understand things a lot better. And I just, I spent a lot of time preparing in, in these different, you know, fields um, and learning a lot about different areas of it. And, learning case studies, you know, putting myself, having trials and errors, things go wrong, things go right. That like, I just feel much more confident in myself to be able to take on things as they come than I would have when I was younger. Um, but that's all preparation that's came over the years. Obviously, I still need to make sure I have dotted my eyes, crossed my T's. If I'm meeting with a big client, I need to make sure that, you know, I have the trajectory set up of what we're going to what he's going to want and how we're going to make it happen mm -hmm. and uh and where we're at and where we're going and how to answer different difficult questions i have to be prepared but also along with that i'm saying that life has prepared a lot of things also thank god for me so um i mean it's definitely a mix of both as far as rush Hashanah and yom kippur there's definitely more elements i would say you you know if wherever a person's holding there that's where they're holding they you need to go from there and make sure that you're genuinely aligned in your maksha with your maisa and your loud speech and action that you're you're growing in your learning you're you're getting spiritually more focused for the year ahead and all those things but you know if i told every person that they need to finish shots by by rosh Hashanah, then you know it'd, it'd knock them out you know sure. like so you know you you every person has to has to grow from their where they're holding and and at least get aligned you know for the year ahead that it's going to be a better spiritual year than also therefore you know all the other aspects of life too yeah i mean that's honestly why i i wrote the book because i realized that most working stiffs uh which is most of our <clears throat> participants who come to mje people you know are trying to make it in new york city they don't have a lot of spare time but you could still spiritually prepare even if you only have a little time even if you can just put in that i mean i'm not advocating i i think it's amazing it sounds like you spend a decent amount of time every day and you're an ordained rabbi by the way mazel tov on your smicha whenever you got that Thank you. um i think it's really important that everybody spends some time every day on 
something authentically Jewishly spiritual. So that's why I wrote the book, because it's it's literally a two-page chapter that you can read in five minutes, go on to the WhatsApp and listen in for three minutes and get another insight. That's um, great. And, and that's why I'm yeah, and, and it's just it's working because you gotta give you gotta give sort of bite size morsel, you know, more uh what's bite size well, bite size. <laughs> um in order yeah, chunks for yeah, you know, the Talmud says to fasta maruba lo to fasta. If you yeah. grab on to too much, you end up with nothing. But let me ask you, um I have one more question, Motion. Thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Um did a little more pre- did a little preparation myself. And I saw that you quoted, you were interviewed, um, and you you whoever was interviewing was talking about humility and humility in light of great success, right? It's easy to be humble if you don't accomplish all that much, but someone like yourself who has millions of followers in terms of your music and has a very successful, you know, 30 under 30 from Forbes, you quoted the Alter Rebbe, great Hasidic master, um, that the more successful a person becomes, the more humble they should become. Now, you know, it doesn't work that way in our society, (laughs) unfortunately. Okay, you know that the most arrogant people in our society tend to be the more successful ones. So, you know, what do you do? And what would you suggest someone who wants to climb that ladder and end up whatever field they're pursuing and they want to be a great success? How do they maintain their humility like you have? Well, I mean, it says very clearly in the Torah that like, talks about in Homish, you know, when I give you all this wealth and all these blessings, don't like, now you're going to start thinking, don't start thinking that it came from your hand. You know, like all the Torah talks about, like ultimately everything's from Hashem. If Hashem chooses you to have a, you know, be, to do something successfully or not successfully, that's completely his choice. You know, you have to make your, your vessel and God's choice is how the blessing, uh, pans out for you. Um, you know, so we don't fully, we don't really control the results as much as we think you have to, there's people that do everything right in business and fail and suck at their jobs or whatever. Sorry to say suck. That's not a nice word, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's not because them, it's not because they're not good. They are great. They do everything right, but it just, you know, the blessing necessarily wasn't there. And then there's people that don't do anything right. And they just wing it. And then like, you know, I don't suggest doing that, but you know, you're supposed to make your clear, but you know, there's people that sell rocks and become millionaires, you know? So, um, you know, you, you have, um, it's so, by the way, I can't even tell you, I, I'm a fundraiser and it's uh, whether, you know, sometimes I love it, sometimes I hate it, but it's unbelievable how, uh, how much of what you just shared. <laughs> I I it's crazy. <laughs> I know exactly it is crazy. The amount of money i've i've seen people who are just not terribly smart who don't seem so imp- yeah they don't seem so impressive and like then you meet somebody else who's like unbelievable they have it all and they haven't gotten the bracha yet i mean it's it's really interesting there's a lot of dynamics i think about it all the time i mean yeah i mean some of the most successful people i know are not smart people at all like they i know that's part of their success like i mean i feel like shem chose them <laughs> to like show that <laughs> show, show that like 
It really yeah. is me. And right. If God, if God, <laughs> that's a great line. It's really is me. You know, <laughs> if, if this guy can be so sick, you know, there's, there's some higher force working behind the scenes. <laughs> That's so, you know? so awful. No, I mean, everyone's smart in their own way, too. Like, some people can't articulate right. themselves at all. And they're like, they're brilliant at some specific thing that makes them wealthy. But so there's, it's not always so pressured. But I think for myself, I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Like I've seen success. I've seen where I've, I've, uh, things have went perfect and beyond my wildest dreams. I've seen where, where I knew I was so much better than what the results brought, you know, and, um, you know, ultimately, both times, um, you know, I realized that it's ultimately in Hashem's hand. And also, I have to make sure I do my shtadlut properly every time. And I have to be a cleave for the bracha, you know. Um, and ultimately, just knowing that it's from Hashem. You know, like, knowing that's that's really the main thing is, like... And then also, the fact that you get more... When you get more successful, you start seeing how anyone could have done that in some regard. Um, you start seeing how I, I, you know, if someone else, you know, like that, like that concept of like, if someone else had my talents or someone else had my opportunities or situations, they would have done more than me, you know, for, for example, um, you know, and seeing also how hard people work and how much effort everyone, like there's people and you know, that like I'm saying, like like we were saying, like the, the the amount that people do is is humbling. Like the amount that people, how hard people work, they dedicate their lives to things, whether it goes their way or not, as far as finances go, yeah, that's humbling in itself, you know, because sometimes you make large sums of money not really feeling like you, you maybe you feel like in that area, you didn't do that hishtadu that that person did for you know, 10, 20, 20 years, 40 years. And then there's some things that you feel like you put so much work in and it didn't, it didn't make you anything. So it's just so obvious that God's hand is in it. Um, and that what the results are not really up to me. And I'm just trying my best to make sure that I continue to be a cleave for his blessing. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's a, a clee, a clee. Th- those of you listening, a clee is a vessel. Um, that, that, that we want to try to make ourselves into a, a, a vessel that can contain God's um, incredible brought. Yeah. Incredible and I've also blessing. seen how you, how God yeah. could take things away right. and he could make you, he could take everything away one day. He could bless you with everything one day. It's literally in his hands. He, he, there's people that have gained massive success and lost it all. There's people that have been, you know, like KFC, whatever his name is, Colonel Sanders. And then when they're 60, God decide, okay, you're the richest man in the world. You know, like it's just so, it's so non-predictable. And also when you talk about things, when you say like this guy went to the right schools and all these things, sometimes I also feel like the school system, all those things they treat, they teach you. And people will often say, without my words, they train you to be employees, but there's nothing wrong with that. Employees can make a lot of money. You could make, you know, you could make a fortune as an employee. Um, but in general, there's certain caps on a lot of those job opportunities, a lot of those different things that people that are entrepreneurial willing to put, you know, not have the same job security, you know, they have to fend for themselves every single day. You have much more potential to make more money. You have much more potential to make less money. So right. it's like putting yourself in the right ball game also to be able to make 
have massive success is is you we're not taught that from birth to to do that we're taught to live a secure life where you just have a paycheck every month and you don't need to worry about it just keep your job so um you know nothing wrong with that yeah you you need to you need to have certain confidence for that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of they say C students are the know. ones that do that because they don't have confidence that the system is going to make them successful. You know, a C student is going to say, "Well, I'm not going to be able to compete at, and make as much money as the next guy if I'm within the system's rules of like just you know get a job and just follow the standard trajectory." Maybe, maybe not. But that's more of a person that's saying, "Okay, I'm willing to try something else or whatever." Um, I think there's also some elements of, you know, if, if your person doesn't have that scenario, it's also elements of trusting Hashem that this is like what they believe that they're supposed to do. This is their pathway. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a bad student to go be an entrepreneur. It's just a common thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's that aspect of trust. Like, I believe that Hashem's going to bless me. I just need to do the right things. And, you know, and also being willing to take the risk, you know, when you're younger uh it's easier to take risks so i was always encouraged at a young age i was encouraged when i was in my early 20s to be to be a risk taker not to stay inside the lines you know from some of the people that i know that went to the best schools in the world telling me that you know and uh and i had a mentor that you know uh sold his company to pfizer for like two billion dollars um and he he went to Chicago booth MBA and uh, PhD from like another, you know, like top school and whatever he was a PhD. And, you know, he was guiding me to build the, build companies, show me how to position myself so that I'd be a success. Like, you know, and my dad also, and all these people that I've learned from, they, they don't come from backgrounds where they weren't good students. They were, you know, they're all, they, it was just that, they they're showing you this is how you could become a huge success at a younger age right it's just not usually the pathway that's suggested because it's it's not you know i was more i was in accounting school the the, the, my dad's focus was you know work at a that one at a firm accounting firm until you're for you know later on it i was like i'm studying accounting because i want to learn business i don't want to be an accountant (laughs) like i don't want to i wanted it so I don't know. I, ultimately, no, I like I said, it's all, it's all down to, you know, the, the bracha of Avishar and we just have to do our best. You know, that's the, that's the main thing. Well, I, I really, really appreciate um, these words of wisdom, both in the spiritual and the physical realm. Moshe Hashem should bless you. You should Amen. continue to be a vessel for God's incredible blessing in everything you do. Amen. And um, just keep shining a great light for the Jewish people because, you know, your, your, your incredible music, besides the unity, it really helps, I think. And, and this conversation, I think, was really helpful in learning and how we can all access, you know, the, the power, um, how we can learn to access the power of our souls to really, you know, remove the klipa and remove the covering and be able to really tap into something that's deeply powerful that each of us possess. And just so many of us don't even know we have it, let alone how to access it. And um, I, I appreciate you getting so personal and giving us some tips on how that can be used for success, both in the spiritual and physical realm. So thank you so much for your time. We really, really thank you for it. having me. Everyone should be blessed and you as well. And God bless you for all that you do. It's amazing. And 
you know, we shall have abundance. Baruch Nisagash is Gamiachet. Only Simchas. Amen. 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 Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care.